Good morning, everybody. And uh, if you didn't catch it earlier, if you couldn't hear or weren't here at the beginning, if you're here for the first time, or if you're visiting us this morning, we are very privileged that you've decided to come and uh, be part of our church family today. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> Those guys are just prompting me because I asked them to. Um, uh, I'm aware that I've become aware this morning that one of our students, Olivia, this is her last Sunday with us. I just didn't know if there's any other students for whom this is your last Sunday. Just wave at me briefly. I'm not going to embarrass you and get you at the front or anything like that this morning. But if there's any other students, okay, so it's just Olivia. Can we just pray for Olivia uh, and for all of the students who are in that sort of coming to the end of their time of their study here? Lord, we thank you for them. We're so privileged that they've been part of our church family. And Lord, specifically for Olivia today, Lord, would you bless her in her new season as she carries on to do her master's God? Would you go with her, go before her and hem her in before and behind? Uh, I pray for great fellowship and friends that she will find there and that she will grow in her knowledge of you even more than she grows in the knowledge of her studies, Lord God. We pray for your hand to be upon her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as David has already mentioned this morning, we're into a new series. Woo! And um, what I've uh, I, I thought, thought long and hard about what to call this series, and I was really trying to work this out. But the, the, the idea of of the series was that I wanted to take some 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 opportunity to examine and look at and just see the example of, of, of biblical characters um, and to just look at some of those people that we maybe think of as, as Bible stories or heroes of faith and to understand something of their journey. And the thing which I really wanted to um, dig into was the fact that those people are ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And I really, that was the heart, and I knew that's what I wanted to talk about, and I was like thinking for weeks, now what shall we call this new series? This series has been brewing for quite a while. What are we going to call this series? And I said to Louise this week, um, who she's uh, seeing her sister in Bath today, uh, I said to her this week, I'm really struggling to know what to call this series. Uh, and I was explaining, you know, what the series was about. And I said, the best I've got so far is ordinary people, extraordinary God. And she said, well, that's what you should call the series. <laughs> so here we go, folks. We are going to be uh, spending uh, the next uh, number of weeks. Um, it may be that uh, some of the other people, as they speak, won't be necessarily on this series. But every time I speak now for the next few weeks, and perhaps with some of our other speakers, this will be what we talk about. We're going to be understanding how God might use us. And, uh, uh, and the word, when we say use us... That has a negative connotation in today's understanding of what it means. We, we, don't, we don't want to use people. But when we talk about God using us, it is not from a, a God is not selfish in any way. He's not using us to, to, to tick his ego or to, um, to make himself feel better or to, to self-serve. He's using us for his glory in the way that is fulfilling for us and is what we were made to do. Amen. And so I'll try and, and, and find better ways of, of, of explaining that. But you, when I say that God wants to do great things through his people, your initial question, like many people's initial question, may be this. Why me? 
Why would God choose me? When it comes to doing great things for the Lord, you might ask that question. Why would God choose me? And the pages of scripture as we read through them and as we will see in the coming weeks answer with a resounding why not? Why not? Why would why would God not choose to use you? Because every character we admire in the Bible is an ordinary person choosing to serve an extraordinary God. And I believe that God, for each individual sat in this room, tuning in online, catching up with it later, whoever you are, I believe that God has a specific and individual purpose and plan, something that he wants you to do for your best and for his glory. Amen? Does anybody agree with me this morning? God's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And it may not be that it's something, it may not be filling a stadium. It may not be doing something which seems in the eyes of the world to be remarkable. But what God asks us to do is be faithful with what he gives us into our hands. So it may be that for you doing something very simple is is God being at work in your life in an extraordinary way. And so we want to be people who lean into and understand our God and how he works through us. But you may say, well, I'm just weak. And the Bible responds in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27 with, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Amen? And I believe that God will work with those who are available and faithful and will seek to do exactly what we were encouraged to do through the words that were shared this morning. And that is to hear his voice and to follow his lead and put into practice what he is asking us to do. Has anybody heard of a very well-known missionary called Hudson Taylor? Is anybody, is that anybody familiar with that name? We've got a few people. Uh, Hudson Taylor... Uh, was well known for taking Bibles into China. He was a a great, uh, well-known missionary. And he has some wonderful quotes, and here's one of them. I often think that God must have been looking for someone small enough and weak enough for him to use, and that he found me. We might look at this person and admire them and look up to them and think they're a hero. But he was aware of his own weakness. He was aware of his own frailty. And that in that frailness and in that weakness, God has an opportunity to work. Amen? So why not you? Why not you? Why not God be at work in a powerful way through you? Why, would he, why might he not choose you? This has stopped working, so you might have to follow along with me, Dal, if that's okay. We will explore biblical characters to understand how and why God chose them. We will seek to serve the Lord faithfully ourselves with humility, obedience, and faith. And as we grow in these, we will see God do great things. We'll see God do great things today as we just simply ask to tell him, have thine own way, Lord, in our lives. Have your way. Walk with me. Teach me, Lord. Help me to follow your path and your voice. So, I'm going to play a little guessing game now for you about who our first character is going to be, okay? I don't want you to all shout it out on the first slide, but this is very interesting um, because uh, this week, harps have been a topic of conversation. I was speaking with somebody yesterday who plays the harp, and 
uh, I was in a meeting online the other day, and somebody had a harp-shaped um, music stand. Uh, and when I say harp-shaped, I mean old-school, Old Testament-style. Oh dear, I've just given, I've given you a big clue now. I've given you a big clue. We're in the Old Testament, okay. We've got this. It's, uh, it would either be called a harp or a lyre. I think you pronounce it that, like that, L-Y-R-E. Um, and so that's what that is. Okay, the next clue... <laughs> the next clue looks like this. What is this? Does anybody know what this is? Yeah, it was really hard to get hold of this because you just can't get the staff these days. Hey, there it is. Oh, oh, that, 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 that might be the best reaction I've ever had for a joke in 11 years in Elim Aberystwyth. Okay, <laughs> so there we go. This is a shepherd's crook or a shepherd's staff. So here we go. That's, that's clue number two. And we're going to move on to clue number three. And this is a crown. Okay, here we go. I think we're probably all going to be able... Let me just see if I can cleverly place that there. Look at that. Um, well, after three then, let's shout out our guesses. One, two, three... David, well done. And if you said something else, don't worry because everyone's saying David was so loud that we didn't hear you. So it really is fine. Um, this is an artistic impression of uh, David in a, a church in Pembrokeshire, would you believe? Um, and it is uh, probably a little bit uh, whiter and more Western than it should be in terms of the, uh, the, how he looks. But it says at the top, let us sing unto the Lord. And we know that King David uh, inspired and wrote so many of the Psalms. And we know so much about him uh, from the Old Testament. Let's just um, talk, let's, let's see where he's mentioned in the New Testament. One of the places he's mentioned is in Hebrews and 11. This passage is like a great um, list and, uh, and discussion about great heroes of the faith. And David just gets a little mention towards the end. What more shall I say, says the writer of Hebrews? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. David mentioned with some of those things specifically referring to him and talking about him, David we know was a great king and a hero of faith. Let's talk about some of those things. These are just some of the things that sprung to my mind when I began to muse and think about David as I was preparing this week. David, the young David, was the heroic Goliath slayer, that boy that stood up and said, not on my watch. You don't insult my God. And he took some stones from the river and he threw them at the giant Goliath, the Philistine, and he killed him and, uh, and, and overcame him. And we've heard that story in our Sunday school, uh, I'm sure many of us. King David, the great writer of so many of the Psalms, the great, perhaps, perhaps the greatest songwriter of all time, who knows? 
King David, Israel's great conquering military ruler who brought about so much uh, um, success on the military battlefield for his nation. King David, the uniter of the tribes of Israel, bringing them together. King David, the founder of the Judean dynasty. King David, the restorer of the tabernacle. King David, the redeemer of the Ark of the Covenant who brought the presence of God back into uh, is, uh, to Jerusalem, and King David, or the young David, the lion and the bear killer. Wow, what a picture we see there. David was a great hero. Yes? However, there are some other things that we need to understand and that we can see in the life of David that might help us to understand how God might use us as well. David, when we come across him, was overlooked by man, but he was chosen by the Lord. We're going to read from 1 Samuel and 16, and this time I'm just going to ask if you're able to see the screen and you're happy to, please do read along with me. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask that this would help us as we examine and explore how you might be at work in our lives today. Lord, this is an old story, but it is every bit as relevant today as it was when it was written. So we thank you for that truth. Help it to shape our lives. Amen. So the first thing I want to say to you on on a personal level today is this. If you feel you have been overlooked, ignored, or undervalued by people, even undervalued by us as a church, and by me as a pastor, or somebody else who's been in leadership in your life, or somebody else who's been part of your family, or somebody else in your workplace, if you feel you've been overlooked, ignored, or undervalued by people, perhaps it is so that you can know that you are chosen by God. I think for David, the fact that every, he was the bottom of the pile, 
As far as Jesse, his father, was concerned, if you don't know the story, Samuel had been in, uh, told by the Lord to go to Jesse uh, because that is where he would find the, 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 the person that would be anointed as the new king. And this was some time before he actually became king. But there went, Samuel went and he sees all of Jesse's sons. They all passed before him. Let me do my calculations correctly. I think there were three before the seven, weren't there? So there were ten. And you may feel like you are 11th on the list. Now, I love sport. I've been involved in sport all my life. But when it came to cricket, I was my school's 12th man. That means I didn't make the team, but I was sporty enough to be the one that they took with them. You may feel like you are 12th woman, 12th man, when it comes to the purposes of God. But I want you to know that God has a purpose for you. And he chooses you to fulfill whatever it is that he is, he is calling you to do. And as he puts whatever he puts into your hands, just listen to his voice and serve him faithfully with what he gives you to do. And don't despise the days of tending the sheep. What was David doing as God was calling him? He was just going about his everyday work. He was doing his normal thing that he did every day. Don't despise your days of tending sheep. You may feel like what you're doing now or what you've done in the past or what you're going to be doing in, in, in the upcoming days, weeks, months, you may feel like the value is minimal. But whatever you are doing, do it for the Lord as if, with all of your might, as if working for the Lord. That's what we're called to do, to be faithful with what he's placed in our hands. So whatever you find yourself doing in this season, let it shape you for the next. Because David's years in the field were part of his preparation for the purpose and the plan that God had for his life. His years in the field taught him what he needed to know. He learned how to be a good shepherd. One of the things I believe that made him the king that he became, uh, one of the great uh, historical figures, the great historical kings, was the fact that he had learned to be a good shepherd. He had learned what it was to tend. He would learn what it was to do the dirty and the hard work. We actually talked in our Connect group this week about Psalm 23. The guys had absolutely no idea about that when they chose the songs for this morning. We sang a song that was, is basically almost entirely, it's called Psalm 23, and it's based on that. And as we were discussing that, about the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, we were hearing some of the things from some, some people in our group who've got some experience of, of shepherding in their lives. And in their families. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but some of the stuff that shepherds have to do is pretty gross. Pretty disgusting. And it just made me say, thank you, God, for being willing to deal with the rubbish in my life. Thank you, God, for shepherding me through my muck. Thank you, God, for cleaning me up when I need cleaning up. For getting rid of the maggots out of my life. When I need the maggots removing. Because 
God is our shepherd. And I believe that David learned about the heart of God as he tended his sheep in the field, as he met with God and he did what he did for the Lord. David was a good shepherd. Now, the window that I showed you uh, earlier, next to it, and these windows were created just over 100 years ago um, in um, Robuston, Robuston Waytham Church in Pembrokeshire. And uh, near, they've both been created in memory of family members, um, and this one is of the Good Shepherd. I believe that David, as a character, helps us to have an insight into some of the ways that God uh, and revealed in Jesus Christ, who spoke of himself as the Good Shepherd, looks after us and tends us and leads us. That window in Robuston Waytham Church depicts the Good Shepherd. And throughout the pages of the Old Testament, if you haven't heard me speak about this before, you will see lots of what we call types or foreshadows of Christ. People that point to something, never in perfection, but often in, in some profound way. They, they point us and they, they speak of and they talk about Jesus. We see the evidence of Jesus laced throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus um, was always the plan and uh, was always part of the story. And, uh, and with David, I think we see some of this foreshadowing of Jesus. And there are um, some Psalms, including Psalm 23, which are often described as messianic psalms. Uh, and it, uh, with the help of um, a, an article that I found this week, it says this, the psalm, Psalm 23, is part of what we would call a messia- messianic trilogy. Psalms 22, 23, and 24 give different glimpses of this wonderful shepherd. The first thing that we see from Psalm 22, I don't have time to read the whole things or go into them in too much detail. But we see in Psalm 22 these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David was in a very dark and difficult time in his life, and he called out to the Lord. And we uh, may be familiar with the fact that when Jesus was passing, uh, when he was giving, uh, giving up his life upon the cross... He cried out these words and he quoted directly from this psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what was David pointing to? He was pointing to the good shepherd who was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. The king who was willing to die for you and for me. And we read about that in John 10. And then in the middle of this trilogy, we find Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack Nothing. We had a really good discussion about what that meant to lack nothing in our connect group. But what David is doing here without knowing it is pointing us to the great shepherd who was raised from the dead and equips us with everything we need to carry out God's will. If, if, if God is asking you to do something then you have or will have everything you need in order to fulfill it. We can absolutely trust that he, as our shepherd, meets our needs. 
Hebrews 13, 20 to 21, if you want to think about and read a little bit more about that. And then in Psalm 24, uh, this is the psalm which, which finishes by saying, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up. And at the beginning it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And this is pointing us to the chief shepherd who's talked about in 1 Peter 5 and verse 4, who will return, who will reign and will will reward his people with a crown that will never fade. And so without knowing it, when he penned those amazing words, King David was, was pointing us towards the Savior Jesus, the chief shepherd. And the biggest question that we can ever ask ourselves in this life is are we following the voice of the good the great and the chief shepherd have we understood who jesus is have we understood his salvation have we received his gift of salvation by faith been forgiven of our sins and set free and granted eternal life to walk with him as our king and to serve his kingdom it's the most important question you can ever be asked jesus said to his disciples who do you say I am. And Jesus invites us all to be his disciples. He invites us all to follow him, to sit at his feet, to make him our rabbi, to make him our teacher, to make him our inspiration, supporting one another, enabling one another, discipling one another, spurring one another on. But for some people, today might be the day for you to cry out like the the blind man who, uh, who, who encountered Jesus as he walked by and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, who was, we sing in the carol, born of David's line, he was descended from him. Lord, have mercy on me. And later on the be an opportunity if that's you today and you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know yeah I need to put this into action in my life and I need to make the Lord Jesus my savior and begin to walk that journey with him we'd love to give you the opportunity to do so but that psalm psalm 23 finishes with these wonderful and beautiful words surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever, forever, forever. And that is what God wants to gift us with, his eternal life. For some people, I know the idea of eternal life is like, I don't know if, you know, this, 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 life, is, this life is not something I'd necessarily want to go on forever. The good news is it is a different life. It's a life in the presence of God. It's a life in the fullness. It's a life where every tear is wiped away from our eyes, where pain and suffering have ceased, and where we dwell in his goodness forever. And I'm looking forward to that. You may be familiar with Timothy Keller, who uh, was a pastor and author we used Um, his resource for our study through Romans over a very long period of time. I think it was over a year we ended up looking through Romans in our connect groups. That resource was created by Timothy Keller. He passed away this this last week. But 
I haven't got the direct quote in front of me, but, but, but basically some of his parting comments, some of the things that he wrote and shared with his family was, it's really okay. It's really okay. I'm ready to see Jesus. And when we walk with the knowledge of Jesus, even death has no sting. The grave has no victory. We don't live as those without hope. So whatever this life throws at us, we know that we can be forever with him. And yes, forever is a long time. But as the author of the article I read said, this infinitely creative God will never fail to amaze us. So for now, let us follow our Lord where he would lead. Let us stick close to him and thank him for his wonderful grace. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I definitely need his grace every day and his mercy every day. Because you may feel that your past counts you out of what God might want to do with you in the future. And the next thing that we're going to look at about King David is going to help you understand that our failures are never the end of the story if we don't let them be the end of the story. David failed monumentally. Monu- uh, it was an epic, in the words today's language, it was an epic fail. I know that's light-hearted, but what he did was not light-hearted at all. David needed the grace and the mercy of the Lord. Let me read the story for you. Some of you will already be familiar with it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to, messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. David is a great hero, great hero of faith, did amazing things for the Lord before and after this. But we cannot gloss over this story. And one of the, one of the wonderful things about Scripture, the Bible, which is so different to other writings and uh, other books that might be considered holy by different uh, groups, the Bible does not gloss over the failures of its heroes. It doesn't try and pretend that these people didn't fail. David was a sinner, and his sin was absolutely heinous. Not only did he do what we just read about and commit adultery, he also went on to conspire to, to murder Uriah, her husband.
the story involved adultery, abuse of power, conspiracy to murder, and so on. This is a bad story. But what does it do when we realize that somebody has failed like this that is a hero? I don't know about you, but in my Christian journey and my Christian walk, I've been devastated many times when I've seen those that I have admired, been inspired by, loved, fall. And it's become clear that their walk was not as righteous as it should have been. Nobody is worthy of becoming an idol in our lives. doesn't matter if they are, appear to be the most godly. Nobody can take that place, that throne in our lives. And the reality is that the higher the pedestal we place someone on, the greater the fallout of pain and damage it cause, causes when they fall and if they fall. And that's not to say that they always will. There have been many great heroes of faith that, that uh, we, we don't know, we, we don't hear anything negative about. But there's only, well, I was going to say, there's no human being in who is perfect or is worthy of our worship. Well, almost none. There is only one person who is worthy of our worship. One human who's ever walked the face of the earth, who deserves our praise, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was willing to lay down his life for us. He did live a perfect life. He didn't fail. He didn't make a bad choice. And yet he died a sinner's death on the cross for you and for me. So we can look to him and we can overcome our failures. And whatever your failure is, Whatever your failure was, it is not the end of your story. And it does not count you out from that which God wants to do in your life. Amen? If we undervalue the cross of Christ's ability to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, then we undervalue the power of God. He is able. His grace is sufficient for you this morning. And if that's the only thing you hear this morning, then that is fine with me. And then the second to last thing about David is that David experienced major discouragement in his life. And for many of us, I think that's been a story that we've, we can relate to as well. We've thought that things would go a certain way and they haven't gone the way we imagined. And then we've been discouraged and our hearts have felt disappointed. And there are a number of examples of David being deeply discouraged as we read the narrative of his life in 1 and 2 Samuel. One of those examples is, is when Absalom, Absalom was his own son by Bathsheba. This is the, uh, the, the son that uh, he had made Bathsheba pregnant and then tried to cover it up by murdering, uh, conspiring to murder Uriah and so on. And when uh, Absalom leads a conspiracy against his own father David, he becomes greatly discouraged. But he had learnt to dig in 
and he had learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Let's read what he wrote in Psalm 3. Uh, is it Psalm 3? I've got, I've got it labeled as Psalm 3. I might be wrong about that. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. That psalm was written in the midst of that conspiracy from his own son. He called out to the Lord. And that points us towards the last thing that I want to say about David is that David maintained a heart after the Lord's own heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13, this is before Samuel has gone to anoint David. It's before uh, any of that story has unfolded, before he's been identified by by, by humans. Uh, And Samuel is talking to... uh, Saul has failed God and, and, and Saul's reign is going to come to an end. And, and Samuel says this, Now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Heart after God. David had been identified as a man after God's heart. And that is why the Lord had selected him. We see the evidence of his passion, his heart, and his obedience many times, even amongst the failures and the discouragements and the being overlooked. And the thing which you cannot fail to see as you read through the Psalms of David and as we look at his story, the presence of God was his great joy. Yes, he had times of discouragement. Yes, he failed enormously. But he knew what it was to pursue and to love and to celebrate and enjoy the presence of God. When the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back, David danced in an ephod, which meant he wasn't wearing very much. And he celebrated, and he celebrated with abandon. And Saul's daughter, who was his wife, who uh, was called Michaels, was criticizing him and was saying, ah, oh, sarcastically, hasn't the king distinguished himself in front of the people today? And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. So there are some parts of that story I'd like us to be inspired by, and some parts of it I prefer we weren't necessarily inspired by this morning. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating ephod dancing down the street this afternoon. But the point that we have, yes, that's, that's a different take on healing on the streets, right? Yeah. But I do want us to celebrate the presence of God. I do want us to know the presence of God. I do want us to value the presence of God. David danced with abandon when the ark of God's presence was returned to Jerusalem. I wonder what could or would make you dance today. Some of you are like, I will never dance in my life. And some of you are like, it's about time. I thought we were a Pentecostal church. We're supposed to be dancing. 
Well, you are free to dance, just so you know. But the reason David danced is because the presence of the Lord was his one thing. Something we talked about last year would be, what is your one thing? What would you say this morning is your, if you're honest with yourself, you examine your heart, what is my one thing? The reality is that probably all of us have times in our lives when getting that next paycheck is our one thing. Or something to do with our family is our one thing. Or something that we're looking for in this life is, is that which we've set our hearts upon. David set his heart over the story of his life upon the presence of God. Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. He was a man who maintained a heart after God. David's one thing were written, those words in Psalm 27 were written in a, in a psalm which also talks about the day of trouble. David's top priority was the presence of God. And this is what it means for us to have a heart after God. Whatever goes on in our lives, however we fail, however we're discouraged, however we feel overlooked, will I pursue the presence and the voice of God in my life? One of the biggest tests of our hearts is how we react when we need to repent. After his failure, David said this, Create in me a pure heart. This is in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And we could spend weeks on each of these psalms. Each of these psalms is our sermons and sermon series in themselves. We're just doing a quick examination of David's heart and some of the things that he expressed through his psalms. And I do want to encourage you that the psalms are a fantastic place to spend time devotionally. As I was driving in this morning on the radio, I found out that it was... uh, Uh, International or National Meditation Day as part of Mental Health Awareness Week. Now, meditation means different things to different people. Let me explain what it means to us. Meditation is not the emptying of our minds. Meditation is the filling of our minds with the truth of God. We meditate upon Scripture so that we can fill and, and, and... By default, when that good stuff comes in, the bad stuff gets out. So we meditate upon Scripture. We meditate upon these words. And I want to encourage you, maybe this week, meditate upon a psalm. Just find, or even a few words from a psalm, a verse. Think about it. Dwell on it. Let it wash over your mind. Look at it word by word. And just say, God, would you speak to me? Would you, would you, would you grant me your presence as I read this psalm? The Psalms really are heart food because they're written by a man after. Not all of the Psalms were written by King David, just in case there's confusion about that. But they were written after God's heart. And so in Acts 13, we jump to the New Testament when David is talked about again. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
He will do everything I want him to do. So let me just ask you this final question. What is your heart after today? God chooses you. Don't ever rule yourself out because you feel overlooked. Don't ever rule yourself out because you are weak or discouraged. Don't ever rule yourself out because you have failed in the past. Do learn, grow, and be faithful in whatever season you are in now. Do keep your heart humble and soft towards the Lord. Do walk in the goodness and the mercy of God. Amen. Would you mind just closing your eyes for a few moments as we pray together to finish? And I do want to ask, as I alluded to earlier, whether there's anybody here this morning who feels that the Lord is calling them into his fold this morning. You want to make him your shepherd. Say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you all the days of my life and forever dwell in your presence. If there's anybody who would like to make that choice and begin that journey of walking with Jesus this morning, I'm just going to ask you while the cameras are not pointing at the room to just raise your hand and wave it at me while eyes are closed so we can acknowledge that and we can pray a prayer with you and help you to begin walking that journey with Jesus. There's nobody in the room this morning and that's fine. This is always our greatest privilege to give people the opportunity to do this. And if there's anybody who wants to discuss it further, please don't hesitate to speak with myself, one of the leadership team, or to email us and, and have a conversation. We can meet up, we can talk about what it might mean to follow him. So for all of us this morning, I'm going to ask in a moment when I've just outlined these areas for prayer, if any of these apply to you, I'm going to ask you to stand because we need to acknowledge things before God sometimes in order to just put them into action. If you need strength to be faithful in this season, if you are dealing with discouragement or you feel overlooked, or if you need to return to God and set your heart on him again, I'm just going to ask you, to stand. Holy Spirit. Hmm. If you're not able to stand, you can raise your hand or find some other way that works for you in order to just acknowledge something before the Lord and say, God, I need your help. God, I want to set my heart on you. God, I want to know that you've called and chosen me. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you that your eye is on us. You see our hearts. You see every tiny act of obedience and service that we do for you. Nothing is lost when we're serving you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just as David was serving you when he was in his field, as much as he was serving you when he was leading the army, Lord, help us to know your presence and your affirmation in whatever season we're in right now as we work for you, as we serve you. Strengthen us, Lord. For those who stood asking for strength to be faithful, would you give us strength, Lord? Grant us your spirit. For those who are dealing with discouragement or feeling overlooked, Lord God, I thank you for your affirmation to their heart right now. Right now. By your spirit. And Lord, for anyone that needs to return to God and set their heart on him, on you today. Lord, would you inspire and enable them? Enable us to set our hearts on you. To make you our one thing. Because we want to glorify your name. And see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for the inspiration of David. Help us, Lord, today, I pray. Amen.